challenged by your word above In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Hebrews chapter number 11. And like I said, tonight is kind of the, the last sermon or the last lesson in this series as we've been going through and studying Hebrews chapter 11. And we... Uh, Normally known as the Hall of Faith, and you can see why we call that. And it, it goes through and explains a lot of how faith works in our life. If you remember when we started the series, we started it there in verse 1 where it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is putting your trust in the Word of God without being able to see it. Without us being able to see God and be able to see heaven, we have faith that it's real and we trust it based on God's Word. We saw there in verse number 6, it says, But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. You cannot please God without faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek them. If you remember, we went through all of those characters and we saw different lessons of faith. We started with Abel and we saw the faith for salvation. And we went to Enoch and we saw the faith for sanctification. We went to uh, Noah and we saw the faith for soul winning. We went to Abraham and we saw the faith for separation. We uh, continued there with Abraham and we saw the faith for sacrifice. When he offered up Isaac on the altar. We went to uh, Moses and we saw the faith for suffering. And tonight we're kind of finishing up those last few verses there as it describes those uh, great men and women that suffered for the cause of Christ. And I, I want to talk to you uh, just for a few moments tonight about the, the subject of the greatest impact of your faith. Or the greatest impact that your faith can make. Because we've been talking about faith and how it applies in all those different areas. Salvation and sanctification and separation and soul winning and suffering and all those different things. But I, I want to talk to you about how your faith, what's the greatest opportunity that you have to be able to make an impact in your life with your faith. And as you read that passage there, you see these uh, great heroes of the faith, both in the Bible and just in history of men and women that have been martyrs and have suffered and have sacrificed because of their faith. Like we were talking about this morning, because of their convictions, because of things they were not willing to compromise on. They were not willing to question. They, they, they lived those lives and look at verse 32 again. I mean, we'll, we'll just read it. We can't go through this whole list tonight, but, but I want you to just notice it again. It says, the, the writer here, which we understand is God, but the, the human instrument being used to pen the words of God, God is saying to us here, He says, and what shall I more say? He said, I've told you about all these characters, Isaac and Jacob and all these different men and women that exercise great faith in God. And he says, what shall I more say? He said, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Zaphon and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. He said, I don't have time to tell you about all the prophets that exercise great faith. Now just notice what these people went through. Verse 33, who through faith, notice, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, Stop the mouths of lions, that was Daniel. Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, wax valiant in fight, turn to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others, notice this, don't miss this, it's easy to read it. Look at verse 35. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourges. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. Could you imagine being stoned to death? I mean, just think about that. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Means they were cut. 
They were cut, you know, their bodies cut apart. So they were son of something. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. You got to understand that these are not stories. These are not made of fables. These are real people that actually went through these things. And as you read that list, doesn't it make you feel a little bad about complaining about the air conditioner? <laughs> You know, we're hot. Okay, well, people were so, you know, they were stoned to death. And these people did it, but you got to understand, how did these people do it? And in verse 39 it says, And these all, having, notice, obtained a good report. Here's how they did it. Through faith. Receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us. That they without us should not be made perfect. And I want to talk to you about the greatest impact that your faith can make. And we're going to come back to Hebrews um, at the end of the sermon. But I want you to take your Bibles. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 2. And let me just show you a few things. Uh, just a few thoughts tonight in regards to your faith. And the suffering that we will all go through. Lord willing we don't go through uh, you know, being sawn asunder. And Lord willing we don't go through being stoned. And Lord willing we're not you know, killed with the sword. But we are going to suffer. And we may suffer those things. But we, if we suffer that or not, we will suffer on this earth. And you've got to understand a few things about suffering and about our faith. Are you there in 1 Peter chapter number 2? 1 Peter chapter number 2, look at verse 20. 1 Peter 2, 20 says this, For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults? Okay, do you see that? Buffeted means you got beat up. If you got beat up for your faults. You shall take it patiently. He said, he said, what glory is it if when ye are buffeted, ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. Here's what it's saying. He's saying, it's easy to suffer when it's your own fault. When you're suffering for it because you, you know, you're sitting in prison because you decided you were going to take something that didn't belong to you and you got caught. Now, it's easy for that guy to sit there and just kind of take it patiently. You know, because he knows it's his fault. It's easy to suffer when it's your own fault. Because you don't have a choice. No one's going to feel sorry for you. Who's going to feel sorry for you? Um, you know, this isn't fair. It's like, you shouldn't have broken to the bank. <laughs> you know, it's like, you should have got a job. You know, you should have done what you should But here's what you need to say. When we suffer, okay, when we suffer and it's our own fault. Hey, there's no glory in that. You take that patiently. No, no. You know, you're not going to complain because no one's going to hear it. Nobody feels sorry for you. It's your own fault. You spend your life savings at the casino. No one feels bad for you. You should have stopped, right? However, when we suffer for no fault of our own, when we suffer and we didn't do anything, I got sick. My wife left me. My husband left me. It wasn't my choice. When we suffer for no fault of our own, it is very easy for an individual to become bitter. And they begin to say things like this. I mean, you've heard it, I've heard it. You may have said it, I've said it. We'll say things like, it's not fair. Why did this have to happen to me? I don't deserve this. God doesn't care about me. And it's easy. See, when you're suffering because of something you did, you were drinking and driving, and you got arrested, and now you got to take the bus. So it's like, yeah, well, you know, I was drinking and driving. But when something happens to you, and you suffer, and, you're, and it's not your fault, and it wasn't your choice, and you were doing anything wrong, you were just worshiping God, and they arrested you, right? 
You were just in church, and they put you in prison, right? And they and they and they stoned you. You were suffering for something that you had nothing, you were doing nothing wrong, it wasn't your fault. It's very easy for an individual to get upset, to get bitter, to get angry, to get selfish, and to say, you know what, this isn't my fault, I don't know why this has happened to me, God doesn't care about me, I don't deserve this, it should have happened to somebody else. But see, you need to understand this, and this is what we learn in Hebrews. And look, I'm not minimizing the stuff we go through, I'm not mocking you if you're going through something or not, I'm not minimizing that. I'm not saying it's not difficult. But here's what I'd like you to understand. When we suffer for no fault of our own, we have a very unique opportunity. And the Bible tells us about this. You're there in 1 Peter, right? Keep your finger there in 1 Peter. Go to James chapter 1. If you can find Hebrews, right after the book of Hebrews, you got James. Right after Hebrews, which is the chapter we read, right after that you got the book of James. Go to James chapter 1. I want you to see something that's kind of interesting, the way the Bible words certain things. James, so you, you should have a finger in 1 Peter, or wherever, where were we? 1 Peter or 2 Peter? 1 Peter, keep your finger there in 1 Peter, and go to James chapter 1. And let me let me just show you something. And, and you, you think, Pastor, when we suffer, that's an opportunity. When, it, when we suffer that, we, we, we have a chance to do something with that. Well, I want you to notice the way the Bible words these things. In James chapter 1, notice verse 2. The Bible says, my brethren. This is James speaking to fellow believers. He says, my brethren. Now, notice what he says. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Here's what James is saying. He's saying, man, you know, somebody comes up to James and says, oh, I'm really struggling right now. Or I'm really suffering right now. Man, you don't know, I, I had nothing, it wasn't my fault, I didn't do anything, and they fired me, or they, she left me, or he left me, or they faxed at me, or they talked bad about me, and all I did was be kind to them, and all I did was love them, and all I did was pray for them, and they tried to, they sent emails about me, and they lied, and they say this, and, and, and but here's what, here's what James says, he says, hey, when that happens, he says, count it all joy. And you think, well, James, what, you, you know, did you not take your medication this morning? Why would you count that joy? But notice what it says. It says, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? Notice, notice what it says. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye might be made perfect and entire, wanting nothing. See, you got to understand this. When you are suffering, and it's not your fault, you weren't drinking and driving, you weren't breaking into somebody's house, you weren't doing anything wrong, and bad things are happening to you, you have a unique opportunity to become more like Christ. And see, the Bible verbiage for this is like, hey, this is a good thing. You ought to rejoice. Go to Romans chapter 5. Keep your finger in there in James. Keep your finger in 1 Peter. Go to Romans chapter 5. We're not going to be very long tonight. Romans chapter 5, look at verse 3. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. Romans 5, 3. James 1, four says, But let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. He says, Count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. The trying of your faith work in patience. Let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Romans chapter 5, look at verse 3. Who knows what Paul said? Now, we talked about it this morning. Remember, Paul went through, through all sorts of afflictions. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was uh, imprisoned. He, he was shipwrecked. He went through all sorts of trials. Now, notice what Paul said in Romans 5, and verse 3. He says, And not only so, Notice what he says. He says, but we glory in tribulations also. Here's what Paul was saying. When I go through a tribulation, and look, we may go through the tribulation. And he says, when I go through a tribulation, he says, I glory in it. He said, I'm excited for it. He says, I'm glad. Now notice what he says. He says, and not only also, but we glory 
tribulation also, knowing that, notice, tribulation worketh patience. Isn't that what James said? See, when you're put in a position where you're having to suffer and it's no fault of your own and there's nothing you can do about it, you know what you learn? Patience. You learn how to weather the storm, you learn how to just wait it out. And Paul says, look, he says, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works in patience. Look at verse 4, Romans 5, 4. And patience, experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. See, when we suffer for no fault of our own, we have a unique opportunity to become more like Jesus Christ. Are you there in 1 Peter chapter 4? And I'm about to, you know, destroy some of your concepts of Christianity, but that's okay. Some of those concepts need to be destroyed. But I want you to notice, just if you're not going to pay to any, any attention in the whole sermon, just I want you to pay attention right now. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 4, look at verse 13. Look what he says. He says, but rejoice. Notice, happy. He says, be glad. He says, rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. That when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. See, when you sit through a service and it's hot, you'll be glad when you see Jesus. And He says, what do you do for me? And you're going to say, I sat through a hot service for Jesus. Right? Now look at verse 14. And if you be reproached for the name of Christ, they make fun of you at school, they make fun of you at work, or you're just a Bible thumper, or you're in a cult, what's wrong with you? If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God rested upon you. On their part, notice, on their part, he, Christ, is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer, now here's the issue, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's past. He said, hey, if you're going to suffer, don't suffer because you're dumb. Don't suffer because you did something stupid. He said, don't suffer because you're a murderer, because you're a thief, because you're an evildoer, because you're a busybody in other men's past. He said, if you're going to suffer, the best way to suffer is to suffer for Jesus. Now look at verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Now notice, I want you to see this. But let him glorify God on his behalf. See, you have an opportunity when you're suffering. Now, now, when you're suffering because you're a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody, just shut your mouth and just take it patiently, okay? Because nobody feels sorry for you. But when you're suffering for nothing you did wrong, you have a unique opportunity to glorify God in such a way that it will impact those around you. You're there in 1 Peter chapter 4? Go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 19. See, not only does suffering wrongfully allow you to become more like Christ, but you need to understand this. Suffering wrongfully allows you in a very real way to show Christ in your life. See, today there are people teach this lifestyle evangelism. And I look, I, I believe your life ought to be right. But obviously I believe in confrontational soul winning preaching the gospel to people, you know, face to face. But you got to understand this. When you're suffering, when you're going through something, and it's not your fault, you did nothing wrong, it's just people are against you for no reason, and you go through it, you have a disease, you have a sickness, you have something, and you go through it, and you're just glorifying God the whole way. It's a unique opportunity to show people exactly. See, we say, well, I want people to see me through Christ. But look, people don't really see you through Christ when you go to church. Now, you should go to church. 
People don't really see you. They don't, they don't really see Christ through you when you take your garbage out. You know, well, I'm smiling the whole time I'm taking my garbage out. Pastor. That's good, praise the Lord. But that doesn't, that's not Christ. But when you're suffering, and you're on the cross, and you say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. See, people see that. And they say, wow, that's different. That's, that's a glorifying of Christ that is not usually seen. Are you there in 1 Peter chapter 2? Look at verse 19. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience sake toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. What is thankworthy? What is God, what is God, what is it that you can go through in life that would make God thank you? You understand? I mean, God has done so much for me. God gave me life. God gave me wonderful parents. God gave me a great home to live in. God allowed me to be raised in the United States of America. Well, I have the privilege and the rights to be able to read the Bible and preach the Bible and go so away. Hey, God has done so much for me. He gave me salvation. He saved me from hell. He gave me the Holy Spirit. He gave me a wonderful wife. He gave me wonderful children. He gave me a great church I get to be a part of. There's not a lot that God has to thank me for. I have a lot to thank God for. But you know what? When you suffer and you take it patiently and you don't complain and you don't murmur and you don't get bitter and you take it like Christ took it, God says, I'll thank you for that. Because you allowed the world to see through you the Lord Jesus Christ in the greatest impact you could let them see. Look at verse 20. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called. Now, this is what I want, this is the part I was telling you to pay attention to, okay? For even hereunto were ye called. God says, This is why I called you. This is why I saved you. This is why I didn't immediately rapture you up right after your salvation. I kept you here. I gave you a calling. This is God's will for your life. You say, what is it? Notice, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us. Now I want you to see, Christ suffered for us like a lamb. He opened not his mouth. He didn't complain. He didn't get bitter. He didn't get upset. He loved the people. He turned the other cheek. And Christ suffered for us. Notice, I want you to notice this. Leaving us an example. Here is God's will for your life. Here is what God's called you to do. That ye should follow His steps. What are His steps? To suffer like He suffered. To suffer in the same spirit He suffered. In the same way that He suffered for us, we are to suffer for you. Now you say, well, it's hard when you don't think you've been done right. I get that. I understand that. I'm not minimizing that. It's hard when, when, when other people are healthy and, and you don't get to have that health. Or when other people have children and you don't get to have those kids. Or when other people have marriages and, and my marriage didn't work out. I understand it's not easy. But there is a way you can walk through that in a way that glorifies God. And it's one word, faith. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me show you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, like verse 17. I'm not telling you that suffering wrongfully is easy. I'm not minimizing it. I'm not saying that you won't go. I'm not, I'm not saying it's something we can all do. Look, if it's something we could all do, we'd all do it. It's not easy, but it can be done. Hebrews 11 says they were sown asunder and they were stoned and they were uh, and they went through all those trials and they were put in prison and, and they went through all these things and they were able to do it through faith. They obtained a good report through faith. Now, how do you do that? What's, what's the practical lesson? How, how do I go through suffering in faith? Are you there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17? 
The first thing you need to understand is, remember we talked about this, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Remember it says about Moses that he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The first thing you need to understand is, to be able to go through suffering by faith, you need to keep your eyes, you need to see the things that are eternal. Are you there in verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 17. For our, notice, I like how God, and look, I'm not minimizing what you're going through, but I didn't write the Bible, God did. Notice how he says it. He says, for our light affliction. That's what God thinks about your affliction, by the way. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, I'm just saying, God, when God looks at what you're going through, he says, that's light. Compared to what he did, that's light. He says, for our light affliction, notice this, which is but for a moment. The, the, the word moment there means it's temporary. Your life is but a vapor, it appears for a little while and vanishes away. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you keep your eyes on that which is eternal. If you realize that anything you go through in this life, it's just a moment, it's just temporary, it's a few decades, it's, it's, it's 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, whatever it is. He said, it's a light affliction. And if you realize, I mean, have you ever sat down and just thought about eternity? No end. It never ends. You, 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 you think as far as you can, and then you just start. And then you think about our lives. That's why the Bible says our lives, it's just a vapor. It's just, it just appears for a little time, it vanishes away. And here's what he's saying, he's saying our light affliction, it's a moment. He said if you're going to go through this, and, and go through it with a good attitude, you're going to have to realize it's just temporary. So you've got to see that which is eternal. But not only do you have to see that which is eternal, you have to see that which is invisible. All right, look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen. See, you, you got to stop looking at the things you can see. You say, well, those are the things I can see. I know, so it's natural to look at the things you can see. <laughs> but Paul says, don't look at the things which you can see, but here's what you should look at, at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, here's, here's the problem with things that are seen. They're temporal. They're temporary. They're for a moment. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Say, Pastor Mendes, what are you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. Go to Acts. Acts chapter 7. Uh, we're almost done. I, I want to show you just... I want to make one last kind of illustration to try to make the point and then, and then we'll be done. But I want you to understand this, okay? When you are suffering because of something dumb that you did, your wife left you because you committed adultery. Now, I don't think she should leave you. I think she should forgive you and you should remain married. But you know what? You committed adultery. You, no one feels sorry for you. You know, I had a deal, I broke into a bank, I, whatever. When you suffer because of something you did, well, you take that patiently, okay, you need to show that you're patiently. But when you suffer, I don't know why somebody keeps trying to call me while we're in church. You think everybody that knows me would know. I mean, they should be in church, so they should be done. All right. But when you suffer, and it's no fault of your own, you're suffering wrongfully. I don't deserve this. Why did this happen to me? It's not fair. You have an opportunity. And you have an opportunity to not only become like Christ, but you have an opportunity to show Christ to the world. And let me tell you something. When you are suffering and you show Christ through your life, that is the greatest impact your faith can ever make. 
And I want you to just see a very practical example of how this happened. In Acts chapter 7, you have a young man named Stephen. Remember Stephen? He was one of the seven that was uh, ordained there in the church in Jerusalem. And he started preaching away, and he got a little carried away in his preaching and started offending people. And they got mad. And they decided to kill him. And Stephen was the first martyr recorded in Scripture, and I'm sure history. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 59, we won't read the whole story, but just look at verse 59. The Bible says, and they stoned Stephen. Do you understand what a stoning is? A stoning is when a group of people takes rocks, you know, usually good-sized rocks, and they throw them at another individual until that individual is dead. Okay, just just so we all understand what we're talking about. That is not a nice way to die. Okay, that is a very painful and a very slow way to die. And that is how Stephen was dying. What did he do wrong? He preached God's word. He did nothing wrong. What did he do wrong? He was proclaiming the word of God, and they got mad at the word of God, and they took it out on Stephen. That's usually what happens with preachers. When you get mad at something I say, you don't get mad at what, you know, the Word of God said, which is me just telling you what God said, you usually get mad. It's like you get mad at the, at the, you know, postman for bringing you your bill. It's like, well, you racked up the bill, <laughs> why are you mad at the postman? He just brought you the message, right? That's what happened to Stephen. And they stoned Stephen, but notice what he did. Notice how he reacted. Calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. As he's being beat to death, as stones are being flung at his body and at his head, the Bible says he called upon God and he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now look at verse 60. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice. I want you to notice what Stephen said. Stephen did not say, this isn't fair, God. Stephen didn't say, why is this happening to me, God? Stephen didn't say, I just preached your word. I didn't do, I don't deserve this. Where are you, God? Stephen kneeled down and here's what he said. He said, the Bible this sin to their charge. Wow. And when he had said this, he fell asleep and he died. Now, now you say, well, I, what's the big deal? When Stephen died, and when he knelt down, and he said those words right before his death, he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. The Bible tells us there was a young man standing by watching him die. This young man's name was Saul. Go just a few verses before that to verse 58. Notice what it says. And cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet. Notice this. Whose name was Saul. Now we know that Saul of Tarsus eventually became the apostle Paul, who became one of the greatest missionaries, preachers, men of God that ever walked this earth. If you are saved tonight and you are not a Jew, you owe your salvation to the Apostle Paul to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. One of the greatest men that ever lived for God, before he was saved, when he was still in a false religion, when he was actually persecuting Christians, he was a young man, and they were taking Stephen out to stone him. And the Bible says that the guys, you know, they took their coats off so they could really hurl a stone at Stephen. And as they took their coats off, they laid their coats by the feet of a young man Saul. And Saul On this young man. And it changed his life and it changed the world as a result of it. 
He said, well, Pastor Menace, how do you know that it made an impact on the Apostle Paul? Let me prove to you. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said, how do you know it made an impact on the Apostle Paul? Decades later, when Saul had been Paul for years and years and years, when Paul was a seasoned and old man, when Paul, who had been mightily used of God, was writing his last letter to Timothy and telling him, my time is at hand, he said, I'm ready to be delivered up, he said, I've fought a good fight, i finished my course. Years and years later, Paul writes these words to Timothy. He's talking about how some people mistreated him, and he says, at my first answer, no man stood with me. He says, Timothy, you know, I, I, I was always with people, and I always supported people, and I never turned my back on my friends. But when I was in trouble, and when I had to be put before the judgment seat, he said, everybody forsook me. He said, no man stood with me. Notice what he says, but all men forsook me. He says, my friends left me. Everybody turned their back on me. They left me alone. He said, and, and, and it almost sounds like he's saying, it, it wasn't really fair. It wasn't really right. I've invested my life so much into these people. You think somebody would have stuck with me? And he says, on my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. But then notice what he says, he says, I pray God, and you can't tell me that this is a coincidence, he says, that it may not be laid at their charge. The same words Stephen said. See, years and years and years and years later, the impact of watching this young man be wronged, be stoned, have an opportunity to get bitter and mad, but he took it, he suffered patiently, and he said, you know what, glory to be God, if it's time for me to go, God, please don't lay this into the charge. Years later, the Apostle Paul is echoing those words. He said, I want to make an impact for the glory of God. Here's how you do it. You know your best opportunity to make an impact? It was somebody has wronged you, when somebody has abused you, when somebody has done something to you. You don't deserve it. It shouldn't have happened. I agree with you. It's not your fault. It, it, it had nothing to do with you. You are suffering wrongfully. You have a very unique opportunity at that moment when people are watching you and you break down and say, I'm so mad. I'm just so angry. I'm spitting on God. And everybody else around you says, yeah, that's kind of but when you say, you know what? Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they do. When you say, I'm just going to suffer like Christ did. I'm not going to murmur. I'm not going to complain. When you take that opportunity, it is the greatest impact your faith can make. And the sad part is that I think we're wasting a lot of those opportunities. Because let's be honest, we don't really suffer a lot. And it's not our fault. <laughs> Usually when we suffer, it's our fault. And every once in a while... When something bad happens to you, and it's not your fault, don't waste that opportunity. Go back to Hebrews 11, we're done right here. Remember, there's only one thing you can do that will cause God to thank you. I want you to notice what God said about these people. Remember, we read about these people, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskin and ghost skin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Notice what God, see, this is what God said about those people. Verse 38, Hebrews 11, verse 38. God says about these people, of whom the world was not worthy. Wouldn't you love for God to say that about you? And the way Stephen lived his life, you know, they, the world was not worthy of the testimony of Stephen. Say, so how do you do it? 
You realize that this life is but a vapor, it's temporary, yeah it hurts, yeah it's not fair, yeah it's not right, but it's just for a moment, I'm going to put my eyes to the invisible, I'm going to look at the eternal, I'm going to realize that the things of this world, they're going to decay anyway, they're going to be burnt up anyway, this isn't my life anyway, really I'm just a pilgrim, this home, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. When you realize that this world is just temporary... And stop looking at the seen and start looking at the unseen. At that point, you can make the greatest impact. I don't care, you know, I I knock 10,000 doors every week. Praise the Lord for it. But if you miss these opportunities, these are the opportunities. When you're suffering wrong, and it's not your fault, and you don't complain about it, you don't backbite about it, Think about Job. How did, he, how did he make his greatest impact? After everything bad happened to him, what did he say? He said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the greatest impact. Don't miss those opportunities. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be able to learn about faith. Lord, help us not to miss the opportunities that you give us. When we could complain, and it would be justified. When we could call it quits, and it would be justified. I know it's not easy when people are mistreating you and abusing you, and all you've done is love them, all you've done is pray for them, all you've done is care for them. You've had them over, you've taken care of them, you've helped them financially so they can turn on you, so they can talk behind your back. I know it's hard, it's not easy, I understand that. I'm not minimizing it, I'm just saying, if we remember that this world is just for a moment. All right impact we can make. Father, I want my children to see that faith in me. I want my neighbors and my friends and our church members to see when I'm going through something and it's not my fault. But I take it like the Lord Jesus Christ took it. That impact is so valuable. Help us not to lose those opportunities. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.